Welcome to the Abbott Loop Community Church Podcast. Enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. Okay, so we're in the, well, we're just continuing on. The Lord spoke to me earlier this year. He says he's going to teach us about the table, and, and the, it just keeps kind of unpacking, and, and um, there's just more things that I think God wants us to discover. And today we're just going to, we're going to go one layer deeper, thinking about the table God's prepared for us, and what things can cause us to um, be distracted or move us away from this table. So we read in Psalms chapter 23, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, shepherd, he's my shepherd. I'm not sure what that is, but he's your shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So we talked about how God's prepared a table for us. And in the promises that he gave to Abraham, uh, he promised those, those things to him, that we'd be blessed to be a blessing, and that we would multiply, and that everything we put our hands to would prosper. There are promises that started from Abraham and continued on and were multiplied and added on to uh, from that time till the time of Christ. And all of those promises are all just culminated in one thing, all up into one thing of what Christ purchased for us, and that is our collective promise. And the fulfillment of that promise was through Christ, the Holy Spirit, redemption would take place, and we would be made right with God, righteousness with God, based on what he did, not what we could do. And then the Holy Spirit would come and dwell inside of us, and we'd become the temple, the holy of holies. And in the holy of holies, the presence of God would dwell, and that happens inside of us. Say, that's rad. Okay, quick little theology lesson here. But the table in, in this example as we're unpacking it represents all that stuff. All of the good things that God has prepared in advance for you. And in Psalm 23 it says, in the good shepherd in what God has prepared for me, I lack nothing. So believing and understanding that we lack nothing in him. Last week we talked a little bit about uh, Isaac, I mean, I mean, Jacob and Esau, and we read this passage in Genesis 25, 29 through 34. Once, when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. He saw Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew, I'm famished. Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. He's saying, sell me your place at the table, basically. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore with an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew, and he ate and drank and then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. So last week we talked about selling our birthright, our place at the table for a bowl of stew, all of the things that can distract us and that we prepare for ourselves to eat, that we think will be better than what God prepared for us. We think that our jobs and our, 
our careers and our titles, our professions. Even if we do it in the church, we think, oh, I need to be this thing or that thing. And uh, the, the worship pastor or the, the, the preaching pastor or the children's whatever. We just start making up all this stuff. And that's my identity instead of just the birthright is God's goodness and what he, he prepared for me. Right? And so there's many things that we do that will cause us to trade our birthright. So this week, I want to just unpack and talk a little bit more about what things we can trade because uh, Eleanor prophesied this. She said, I'm going to read it exactly how she said, ask, the Lord says, ask of me what you want from my table. This is, this is the Lord saying to you, hey, just ask of me what you want from my table. Do you believe that I'm good? Or ask of yourself what you want from what you can prepare for you. Do you want what I can prepare for you or what you can prepare for yourself? But there's a third party at play. There's another person that's active and he's working. He's trying to draw you away and he's prepared something for you as well. And his name is Satan, Lucifer. He has prepared a bowl of stew for you as well. And he wants you to eat of it. So you and I get to choose. Do we want to eat of the table of what God has prepared for us? What we've prepared for ourselves, Or what the enemy has prepared for us? Because he's got something cooked up good for you. He does. And he wants to make it look enticing. He wants to confuse you. There's a thing called deception. Deception is very tricky because when you're deceived, you believe it's right. What you see, you believe is right. That's why you're deceived. Because you see that the thing you see is right, then you feel good about it. And when you and I believe that things the enemy is prepared for us, meals that he's prepared for us are part of our birthright, that it's on this table... We, we get that kind of deception is very destructive. So what do I want to talk about today? Oh, I want to talk about, I want to talk about the meal the enemy's prepared for you called offense. You and I, when we get offended, it's a meal of poison that the enemy has prepared for us. And when we do it, when we get offended, we give up our place at the table and we go over here and we eat of his poison, of his stew that he prepared for us. You can say it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, lentil stew. Yuck. Gross. You're right. So here's the thing, if you want to get offended, if you want to be easily offended and you want to learn how to do this kind of offense and eat of the poison that the enemy has, has prepared for you and get the reward from it, I found an online training for you. Can you believe it? I found an online training for you so you can learn how to get offended. This is going to be really good instructional video. Go ahead. I've been having life-changing results since I learned how to get offended. Now when people don't see things the way that I see them, I just get offended. And it teaches them how not to see things from their point of view. (laughs) 
I'm offended that you would think you have the right to post that to your Facebook account. People have every right to see things from their perspective, as long as their perspective is the same as my perspective. Here's a water for you. I don't drink out of plastic. Why would you not know that? People who don't get offended are insecure, take no self-responsibility, and have no sense of purpose in life. I pray for them. JP, I don't even know why you're offended. I'm offended that you don't know how you offended me. JP, I wanted to uh, thank you and show my gift of appreciation by giving you my book, because I know you, you need it, right? You're just assuming that I know how to read? There's three easy steps to getting offended by anything. Step one, listen to what someone says and then selflessly make it all about you by taking it personally, even if it has nothing to do with you. I really want you to have a great life. You're assuming my life isn't good enough the way it is? How dare you? Step two, you want to create a large amount of tension inside your body. You really want to concentrate on bringing the tension to your stomach, your chest, and your face. How are you doing today, JP? I'm offended that you would have to ask. Step three, now project outrage onto the other person. This will make it seem like you're getting rid of the tension inside your body, but it actually drives it down deeper inside you. And because it stays there, it'll make it even easier for you to get offended next time. I'm offended that you would wear that shirt. I'm actually a little offended by that. I'm offended that you're offended by that. Since I've learned how to get offended, I bring huge amounts of joy to everyone in my life. People feel like they're free to just be themselves when they're around me. I'm just happy I can make such a big difference in the world. I think she's a pretty attractive woman. I'm offended that you would think I'm attracted to women. Aren't you attracted to women? Yeah, but you have no right to just assume that. I'm offended that you don't have my new book yet. Come on. <laughs> if you needed some training on how to get offended, there you go. You got it. You want to eat of the stew the enemy prepared for you? Oh, you can do it. Just go for it. Listen, you're going to see what you want to see. You're going to see what you want to see. If you put on your life the goggles, the lenses of offense, you're just going to be looking and seeing offense everywhere you go. And it's great. Just drive it down deeper inside so it makes it easier for you to get offended the next time. And you get to bring joy to everyone around you. Love to be around at people that just get offended easily. It's my favorite place for me to become and be the best me I can be. Right? I mean, when you're around people that get easily offended, I mean, are you open and expressive and just feel like you're going to be comfortable with who you are? Do you feel like you can bring the best you to the table? Just say it. No. No, because if you're saying yes, then you're wrong and I'll correct you right now. No. No, you close off. You, you shut down because you're afraid and you don't want to be the next one on their list. See, here's the thing. If I see myself all the time as a victim, if I'm a victim and I wear the lens, the goggles of victimhood all the time, guess who I'm looking for? An offender, big bad persecutor. Where are you? I see you. You're in here somewhere. There you are. You looked at me. Oh, yep, you smiled at me. Offender. 
It doesn't take anything. You just fall asleep in my sermon. Offender. You laughed. Offender, you're laughing at me. If I'm wearing the lens of victim, then you're always the persecutor, and I'm going to always find some big bad persecutor to be making my life, validating my existence and my life as a victim. That is living over here, right where the devil wants you to be. You're eating of his stew, what he prepared for you, and you get to reap its great rewards. Do you know you are what you eat? This is true in your natural, but even spiritually, you are what you eat. The Bible says if you look on the things that are evil and not good and all that, guess what? You get it. But if you look on the things that are good and pleasant and lovely and holy, that's the things of the table of the Lord. But some of us believe that being offended is part of our birthright. And this bowl belongs on the table of the Lord. And then if we don't find those bad persecutors out there, oh boy, and we don't hold them accountable, then who's going to? Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Not yours. That's not your business. Stay out to my business, says Jesus. And he certainly doesn't say, your bowl of offense belongs on my table. That bowl of offense is the meal the enemy has prepared for you. You know when you go shopping, they say this, if you want to eat healthy and you want to be healthy, one of the first rules when you go shopping is don't shop in the center of the shopping mall, of, of, the, of the grocery store, right? They, they say all the healthy and the real food is actually along the outer, outside edges of the, uh, of the grocery store, Right? The easy place that you walk into is right into the middle. That's where all the profit margin is for all these grocery stores, okay? And that food might look like food, and it's in packages like food, but it's really just a bunch of chemicals. And, and you know, have you guys ever drank uh, this stuff? They call it creamer. They call it creamer. It's basically plastic. I'm not lying to you. This is truth. It's in like the top, I think it's in the top five, I think it's actually in the top three, but I know it's in the top five of most carcinogenic foods you can eat. That and hot dogs, right? Okay. I'm not joking. Just liquid cancer. Drink it up. All right. That's, all, that's in the middle aisles too. Well, maybe that's sometime you find that mixed in. Sometimes you find stuff mixed in on the outside with real, like stuff that comes from, has a mother, you know, milk, Okay. And the enemy wants to package this food for you to make you think it's real food. He wants to package stuff that looks enticing to you and like, oh yeah, this is going to give you some kind of real nourishment. And you know offense is all wrapped up nice and pretty for you. And if you want to see it, you're going to find it. And if you want to eat of it, you're gonna, you can ingest it, you can put it in your body, but you will be what you eat. Bitterness, hatred. Do you know what offense leads to? First, you give up your seat at the table. You don't get to sit at the table of the Lord when you're offended. You don't get to sit here. Whoop. You say, no, offense, you can have my seat at the table. In fact, the spirit of offense 
You just say, oh, I'm gonna let this demonic spirit just sit at my table in my spot and guard my spot at the table, and I'm gonna go over here and I'm gonna eat your poison. The Bible says don't allow a root of bitterness to grow up among you. If you eat of the root of bitterness, you're gonna get its reward. You get isolated. The enemy wants to isolate every single person he can. Because you know where the strength in the body of Christ is? Where's the strength? First, yeah, yeah, you're so smart, I love you. Unity, it's in the unity. It's the Holy Spirit inside of each one of us creating common unity between all of us. Sometimes we go, what is, and I'm not trying to get off track, what is this speaking in tongues thing? One language, one common spiritual language. language. Tower of Babel, he separated them all, created disunity, like everybody was divided. And then through the supernatural spirit of God, we have one language that unifies us all. It's the Holy Spirit dwelling in each one of us the same way. So this, the one thing we all have in common when we have Christ is the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us. That is what unifies us all together. And when we violate the Holy Spirit, when we violate the Holy Spirit by taking up offense in our life, we give up our seat at the table and say, no, I just want to go eat over here. We're not talking salvation now, okay? We're just talking about I am no longer going to be eating of the prosperity that God has prepared for me on his table. Instead, I want to eat the food the enemy prepared for me. The great news is you and I, we get to choose. Look at this in Proverbs 17, 8. A bribe is seen as a charm by the one who gives it. They think success will come at every turn. Verse 9, whoever would foster love covers an offense. But whoever repeats a matter separates close friends. Separates close friends. Do you see, hear that word? That, that love actually covers and allows us to be in unity, but when we foster, or even in the, the New Living Translation, it says love prospers when fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates friends. When we dwell on the offense, it creates division. What does the enemy want to do? He wants to divide. Why? Because, listen, the Bible says that he's like a lion that, that is roaming around to see who he can devour. Do you know lions, they attack their prey? They wait for the young or the weak or someone to just roam off and get isolated. And once they're isolated, they pounce and they bring him down. The enemy understands that our power is together. Our power is when we sit at the table and we eat of the things of the Lord and we don't get distracted. He is our source. We're not powerful. He's powerful in us. That's grace. God's grace powerful in us, but we have to eat of the table. We have to stay seated at the table. When we decide that we want to get up and we think there's something better for us that we can prepare ourselves, or we get deceived that the enemy has something better for us, and then we go eat of his, we get isolated and we get separated, and then we get to eat of the poison that he prepared for us, and guess what? He starts to bring us down, take us out. That's the power of offense. It literally builds a fence around you. 
right? I literally feel like it's my right, and now that thing keeps me safe. I'm building a fence around me through keeping offense against you because I start to believe, oh, this is my safe place because I don't want to be offended or hurt again. Boy, isolated, all alone, eating poison, that's God's will for your life? No. God's will for you and I is to sit at the table and step away from these things that easily entrap us and easily offend us and just stay here and stay focused on this space. What what does Jesus tell us to do when we get offended? Or actually, it's not technically when we get offended. When someone sins against us, Yeah, we're called to go to them and tell them, hey, this this hurt me. You sinned against me. One-on-one. But see, when we repeat a matter, Proverbs 17, 8, we actually start to create isolation and division in the body of Christ. Because my goal is to protect everyone else in the congregation, or it's to be the victim and get pity. So I have this wrong lens that, oh, you offended me, and so that I'm going to go tell Larry about it. So I start telling Larry about how, you know, Justin offended me. So what I'm trying to do is draw a circle around Justin so Larry will no longer be around Justin. I'm trying to isolate him from everybody else. I'm repeating a matter. I'm I'm to separate out. Oh, he's the black sheep with spots on him, right? He's the bad one. We're gonna, he's not, not perfect. So we gotta isolate Justin and get him out of here. Yeah, Larry, Justin, bad. <laughs> so what I've done is create division between me and him, and now I've created division between Larry and him, and all of a sudden, the enemy starts to weave his little divisive web. And what have I done? Now Larry looks at me and he goes, dude, I don't want to mess up around Josh because he might draw a circle around me and make me the bad guy. So now Larry doesn't trust me either. So now I've isolated myself and I've isolated Justin and I've isolated Larry. And who just won? The devil just won because he just sowed seeds of discord and division within the body. And he knows the only thing he can do is to get us to stop eating at the table and get us divided. That's how he slows us down. Don't fall into his trap. Just don't fall in. So one of the things that happens, and this happened during Jesus' time, is that when we... When we fall into offense, we give up the seat at the table here, and we, we miss out on all the blessing. Look at Mark chapter 1 through 3, and it starts out here, uh, Mark chapter 6, verse 1 through 3. Jesus left this part of the country and returned to his, with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and so many people heard him, they were amazed. They asked, where did he get all of this wisdom and power to perform such miracles? Verse 3, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. They, and then it goes on to say he could do no more miracles around them. They took offense at him 
and they decided they didn't want anything that the Lord had prepared for them. And they said, no, we're going to take offense instead. We're going to sit here and eat this poison the enemy has prepared for us. And they missed out on Jesus. They missed out on their seat at the table. Don't miss out on your seat at the table, church. Come on. Don't miss out on what he prepared for you. You miss Jesus. When you miss this, Jesus says, don't return evil with evil, but return evil with good. So when someone does something evil to me, that does not, it's not my birthright. It's not my promise to be able to hold an offense and bitterness towards them. He says, look, when someone sinned against you, your job is to go to them and make it right, work it out. It doesn't say when you get offended. It says when they sin against you. So you don't have a right to get offended. Offended is sin. You're missing the mark. It is walking away from the table. It's not your birthright to hold all these persecutors in hostage and keep them all in line. It's not your birthright. That is not the thing that you're called to do. He says, no, when someone gets offended at you, you give them a muffin. When someone sins against you, you give them a muffin. You take of the goodness of the table that God has prepared for you. They do evil to me. I walk in forgiveness and I bless them. Why? Because he prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Because he wants to show off his glory. He wants to use you. He doesn't want you to give up your seat at the table. Listen, you need to be like that kid who doesn't want to get up from the table and leave. And they just hang on. I'm hanging on. Nobody's getting me off of this thing. I'm not listening to the you devil. I'm not eating your poison over there. Someone tries to entice you and draw you away, you're like, no, I'm staying right here. This is what God's prepared for me. It's all that I need. You hurt me, you wound me, you offend me, I give you a muffin. I give you the scone first. <laughs> you get the scone. It looks tasty, but it's a trick. <laughs> they, people tell me, you should have put vegetables in like healthy things. Man can live on muffin and coffee alone. All right. It's just symbolism. Stay with me. Just let's think about it for a second. When you really believe this is all you need, you just hang on. You don't let anything draw you away. Look at what it says in Romans. <clears throat> Romans chapter 16, verse 17. I urge you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way, they, uh, way that are contrary to the teaching that you have learned. Keep away from them. Such people are not serving the Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I'm full of joy over you, and, but I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. This word obstacles, he says, when brothers watch out for those who cause divisions, they cause divisions, and they put obstacles. This word is scandalon. 
And that word means stumbling block or obstacle or offense, something that causes sin. There are people around and even in our midst, and you might be one of them, and you just need to shift your perspective. And the way you live is that you live to lay obstacles and offense in the way of other believers. You're not working from the Lord's table or giving provision from his table. You're not protecting anyone. You're harming everyone. Those people are hurting people. And it's your job, my job, to have a firm stance of love, in love, and say, listen, I'm, if, if you are offended with somebody and you're repeating the matter, it's not for you to come with me. Your offense is sin. It's your job to go to that person and figure it out and make it right. I don't want to listen. I don't want to participate. I'm just eating of the table. Don't put that stumbling block in front of me. And you can give them like a loving, nice little rebuke. Your pastor says so. In love, okay? Not be, don't be rude. Don't be mean. Then they'll get offended at you and you start to cycle again. Okay, don't do that. You don't, don't be a person who does this. You're like laying logs out, stumbling blocks in front of people while they're walking. We're just trying to serve Jesus here. We're just trying to make it. We don't need anybody else making it harder on us, right? And we, and we don't want anybody participating with the enemy to begin creating more and more division among us. We have to be strong together and protect what he's given us, the good things he's given us. We say, no, I'm going to resist the devil, right? And he flees from me. No, devil, I don't. We have to see that temptation as food and feeding and, and temptation to feed us from his poisonous garbage plate. We don't want to eat there. We want to eat of the things of the Lord. But it's our job to protect our community in the right way. We return evil with good. We protect the unity. And when someone starts kind of throwing these things out there, it's going, no, I don't want to participate in that. See, if you eat of the garbage of the enemy enough, you no longer hunger and thirst for the things of the Lord. You're full on garbage. And you get its reward. Isolation, broken trust, broken relationships, discouragement, depression. God did not make us to be isolated. He made us to be in community. You know, when we start to eat of this, we, we lose our hunger, but then we lose this saltiness, this seasoning. Mark 9.50 says, salt is good for, Jesus says this, salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? You must have the qualities of salt among yourselves and live in peace with each other. When the church eats of this garbage, it loses its saltiness. It loses its effectiveness. He says, you're supposed to be a city on a hill that can't, that's not, like a light that's not hidden. You're supposed to be seen and known. God wants you to have a little bit of sass, some Jesus sass, right? He wants you to have a little glory, and it needs to be like rubbed all over you, like seasoning your chicken and turkey, Right? It's like it tastes like something. When someone's around you, they should feel the glory. They should feel his presence. That there should be a difference. And, and, and you don't participate. I don't participate in the things of the world and the things that the enemy's prepared for me. I only eat God of your table. What's on your table? What's good for me? And it keeps you salty, sassy for Jesus. Pastor said I'm supposed to be sassy for Jesus. That's right. You should taste like something. I know what offense tastes like. 
offense, not a fence, I've never eaten a fence, but offense tastes yuck, bitterness tastes, ugh. I don't, I don't want to be around people that are really struggling with bitterness. It, it's hard for me. You know, Eleanor prophesied to me privately, and another person had brought this prophetic word, had an open vision, and then Eleanor confirmed she had seen the same thing or felt the Lord showing her the same thing, that the spirit, literally the spirit of offense was roaming in our church and walking through the aisles to see who it could just land on. Could it just find someone to just participate with it? And just come up and grab it, and then get them to stand up and just come with me, John. Come on, I'm just gonna dance you right out of the church. And it just began to dance them until they were right out of the church. <laughs> Man, he does. Whew, I know why you married him now. They're like, we need, to, we need to come after this thing. That's why I'm preaching this message today in response to that prophetic word. I don't want the enemy to get a foothold in anyone's life. We don't want to lose one. I mean, they're like, if you could see how nasty and ugly this, this spirit is, they're like, oh, it's disgusting. You wouldn't think that it was good at all. You wouldn't dance with it at all. You wouldn't been dancing with me, John, if you saw what that spirit really looked like. If you knew the garbage that the enemy has really prepared for you, the toxic sludge he is trying to get you to eat, you wouldn't even come close to it. But the problem is, is we fall into deception and we think it's good. And then we go over and start to eat of it and we create division and separation. And now we're isolated and all of a sudden the enemy has waltzed and danced us right out of the door while we're thinking it's our birthright. Your birthright is not to be isolated from the fellowship. It's to be in oneness. It's to be in unity. It's to be in love. Man, we want to break that thing, right? Can we pray just to break that thing? And that you just make a declaration in your heart. You're not going to partner with it. It's not going to have us place in this church. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we just... We rebuke that spirit of offense, and we, we just command it to be gone in Jesus' name. And we will not partner with offense in any way, or bitterness, or hatred, or anger. God, we choose love. We choose life. We choose to eat of your table and to only eat of the goodness that you've prepared for us. Come on, you got to pray that, church. Jesus, I command offense to be broken off of my life. I, I repent for partnering with offense in any way. And I command it to go in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you have prepared a table for us. And it's all that we need, God. You're the good shepherd. We trust you with our lives, with our souls, God. We lift you. We lift you up. And we just pray right now a blessing over those that we were offended by. We pray your goodness over them. I want you to get that person in your mind's eye. Who are they? Who are you offended with? And I want you to begin to bless them. God, let your favor pour out on them. I pray for goodness and love to be on them right now. In Jesus' name, I break offense off my life. And I bless them. And I pray for love to fill them up. I pray for every good thing you prepared for them to come their way. That everything they put their hands to would prosper in the name of Jesus. Yeah. And fill me with your love, God. Replace the hatred in my heart with love. 
Thank you, God. You're so good. You're so good. Let love be our portion. Let love be our portion here today. God, that every day we be full of your love. God, will you allow us to just just stay focused on you, Lord, and not get distracted. I pray against deception, that any deceiving spirits that might be trying to entice our church or get us to get off track, God, we just pray that you would keep our eyes, our vision clear to see the truth, and the truth would set us free. God, division and divisiveness leads us to prison. It leads us to bondage. And so, God, we pray that you'd break the bondage in our life and we'd see the truth of your spirit living in and through our life, God. The truth of what living in your, in your kingdom, it sets us free, God. We just, we just bring the clarity in that, God. We love you today. We're going to close with some communion. We're going to wrap up and just, the Bible says that before you take communion, you should search your heart. And if you're offended with anybody, you should make it right. Even it says again that if you have a gift that you're supposed to give at the altar, as if you're going to give your tithes and offerings or even in a, you know, sort of an old covenant sense, but the principle is the same, is if you're offended with somebody, God is actually more important and cares more about you getting your heart right than he does about your offering and sacrifice. Communion is about the common unity of all of us together. And so if there's something going on in your heart where you're offended, just make sure you get your heart straight and say, Jesus, I forgive. I just release. I just repent for carrying offense. And you can sort it out later, but you can deal with offense right now. So before we take communion, just make sure you get your heart right. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at abbotloop.org and like us on Facebook. Services in Anchorage, Alaska are at 9 and 11 a.m. We hope to see you soon.